conference on that. And then um, I can talk a little bit about, I, I read, I post the comp, um, conversation last week. I read Tomorrow 3.0 and I've got some thoughts too. Um, so I was, I was able to get some of the value back. Uh, definitely learned the hard way, uh, the importance of reading the fine print on your insurance policy. So I didn't realize that they do depreciated value, um, which I guess is sort of understandable. Yeah. So you don't you don't get replacement value, you get depreciated value, uh, at least, and that's because again I didn't read the fine print. My insurance broker didn't explain it to me very clearly. Um, so I, I didn't get. I, I only got depreciated value, and then to top it off, they actually give you depreciated value of the the price minus taxes. So. Not only do you eat the depreciation, you also eat the tax, and the tax is another thirteen percent. Okay. So I think I think the the grand total of what they're going to pay me for the equipment was like something like sixty seven percent of the value of the goods I lost. Plus, <laughs> I have to pay a deductible. Plus, uh, the who knows my, if my insurance is going up. Which it probably is. So insurance, the biggest scam in the in the world. But <laughs> yeah. insurance, it's like a necessary evil, and it doesn't really help when you actually need it. It's, uh... But let me tell you, when I when I wrote off my Vespa about a year and a half ago, I had way better coverage than I thought I had. I, did, I had no idea. I thought, you know, I was going to get depreciated. And this insurance guy calls me up and he says, "Let me just look at your. I think you've got a clause something something something." And it gave me full replacement. <laughs> I got to buy a brand. I actually got to buy a brand new Vespa. It was my the one it replaced was was you know put down three times. It had scratches and scrapes all over it, and it had over forty thousand kilometers on it. So you know it worked out great, but it doesn't happen often. Well, you guys, you had the right insurance then, Brad. That's great. Yeah. Hey, hey Michael, is this your brother or um, <laughs> yeah. family member? I just I had to clarify for that for somebody this week, you know, because. Um, a lot like America, Asian people can have the same last name and not be related. That's actually <laughs> is that is that really more true? Than one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's actually possible that Eric and I are related in some way in some like, but eventually, <laughs> maybe, yeah. I think you got a sound issue, Eric. You got a um, uh, headset in enemy territory, territory, huh? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. They leave swag lying around and stuff, and I always play practical jokes on them and stuff. <laughs> They're good people. That's great. Speaking. <laughs> That's great. So you got connected with Brad there, and then you 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 went over oh. to get connected event. Yeah. This this has been like a pinball machine for me because I got connected to Brad, and then Brad's like, "You got to come to connect it." So then, after some things freed up the schedule for me, then I was able to go, um, and then I met a lot of other people. Actually, I ran into a lot of people I I knew from you know my previous job too, and so oh. I thought it was pretty interesting. That's great. Um, and then from that, I uh, met you guys, and I've met like a lot of other people, and it's just been incredible how, I don't know, how excited I am now, because in about five days here, so literally Monday to Friday, like, you know, it's been a whole different world in terms of who's uh, in the know of accounting software and what you do and how many people have shown me, this is what I do, and this is your possible future here. It can be done. Uh, and I do agree, Brad really likes conferences because we were literally the last people in the parking lot. The security was like circling. The it was long gone. <laughs> left. All the gear right. was gone. Oh, everyone was gone. The place was shut down and we we're still chatting in the parking lot. So, <laughs> And we probably could do a whole episode on um, what it's like to be in a business with your one of your parents, which Andrew relates relates to so you and andrew oh. relate and connect to that and i do feel a little outnumbered i'm glad eric is asian because the three of you are canadians and, ah, I'm, and, I'm, <laughs> and the maple leaf it's a canadian domination it's show tonight right here um hey? so that's yeah so, <laughs> and actually and my wife is actually dual citizen so she's a canadian so citizen. is mine there you go so, we got, a, oh, we got nice. something common there so we got Three and a half Canadians. Yeah, there you go. I, I just earn it. I earn it halfway. <laughs> so, um, so last week we had a we had a great conversation about um, about what if Uber got into accounting, and what would that experience be like from both the um, and the expectations be from both a 
mm. uh, user consumer perspective or customer's perspective, the, the uh, service provider perspective, as well as uh, the platform perspective. So what would the three, you know, pieces be like? And so Brad, I, I don't know if you got to watch that, Brad. Uh, I, I, I was there. Yeah. So I'd love, love your, your comments or th initial thoughts just because you got to hear and watch the show and the Andrew as well, just because you, you know, you guys, you weren't on the, you weren't on last, last week. Love to get your thoughts as well on, you know, what you kind of, kind of your thoughts and comments. And then I want to give, I, I actually read a book that Hector recommended called Tomorrow 3.0. And, you know, for anybody who hasn't read it, it's, I highly recommend it. It's a really quick read. Um, was able to, you know, buy it last Saturday morning and then read basically almost all of it um, by today. Um, and it really talks about this at a high level, this issue of um, the sharing economy and the changes that are happening societally because of the sharing economy. But, uh, you know, Andrew, why don't we kick you off first and maybe give me some of your thoughts if you can remember from last Saturday, the conversation. And So I guess my, my number one takeaway is I'd love to be able to publicly rate my clients <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> so that everyone could know these are the D clients. Don't touch them with a 10-foot pole. Right. Um, and, and I think actually Hector even posted something afterwards saying that now Uber is going to start rejecting um, people who request fares who've got bad reviews. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that would be my number one thing that I'd love to see out of the Uberation of accounting, if that is a word, at least I've made it up now. Um, I think it's, it's, it's interesting, this whole sharing economy um, and the transformation that it could or the impact that it could have on uh, on our industry. Um, and I think one of the, the, the big things that I think was Hector who said, um, well, this has had a big impact on taxi drivers, but not necessarily limo drivers. Um, and so I just want to make sure that I'm driving a limo, not driving a taxi when, when, when this transition takes place. Um, so I think those are my two biggest takeaways. Um, I think that they're, you know, this is just, unfortunately, it's the evolution of the industry. Mm. Um, and it's, and, and apparently the evolution of society, right. As the sharing economy goes, goes on, right. Whether it's, you know, sharing apartments, uh, you know, whether that's sharing, uh, your car through Uber or through Turo or through any of these other concepts. I mean, this is the way, obviously the world was going, people wanting to have the ability to work on demand when they want, where they want. Um, and if there's going to be a provider, an Uber out there who's willing to let people say, hey, I got a couple hours free, turn on the meter and let me start doing some bookkeeping. Um, there's going to be a number of people who are going to dial into that. Oh, yeah. um, and um, the problem with that is just like the Uber drivers is, yeah, you can turn on the money, you can turn on the meter and you can make a few bucks. Uh, but you're not going to make nearly the money that you would make if you had your own car and you were driving a limo service. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the trade-off that you're going to get more freedom and flexibility, lower total net income. And I think that um, what we're seeing from, you know, the new generation is that that's, that's consistent with their values. They, they're happy to take, lower income for more freedom and flexibility. That's the trade-off that they're willing to make. Um, I'm not really willing to make that trade-off yet. I mean, I always talk about having a balanced life and uh, I love that the cloud isn't giving me this technology to be able to work, you know, when I want, where I want. But unfortunately, what it really means is I just work all the time because I have a mobile phone with me so I can always be checking email or Facebook or Twitter. Um, so, well, technology has enabled me to, to work when I want, where I want. It is actually, as a result, for me, made me work more, not less. Um, and apparently there's a generation out there that wants to work less, not more. Um, so uh, this is a great coup for them. Um, bit of a threat for my generation. But I think that there's, there's definitely ways to um, insulate myself from my, myself and my practice from the potential Uberization of our industry, which I think is inevitable. Yeah, that, that makes that, that's great. That makes sense. Brad, what are your, some of your thoughts? Oh man, my head, head is swimming with all these concepts. You know, we get bombarded on Facebook about all these different, what might happen, what might not happen and where are we going? And 
there's not a lot of really awesome crystal balls out there that I've seen. I'm hearing it all. Last night I was at an event um, with some accounting firms and it was interesting to hear this, this guy, he was a senior manager in an accounting firm. I think they have a staff of about 70. So they're not, they're not massive, like a big, big firm, but they're, they're a respected firm here in town. And I asked him about, what do you think about all the disruption going on? And, and he was so dialed in to, to realizing it's what he needed because he said, Brad, we do so many things in so many inefficient ways. And I, I, the technology is amazing. So I, I brought in this concept that we've been hearing a lot. Are we even allowed to mention it tonight or is it an off limits again? I won't mention it anyways, but um, we know what we're talking about here. It's that um, the change is coming. And he brought up an interesting point. He said, here's the way I see it with a service like that is that we can get security of supply, a steady mm. pipeline of work that we get it when we need it. Because he said, Let's face it, they're the experts out there, not necessarily the company providing it, but you know, all of us in here, the people with the technology that have these systems dialed in, he said, those are the people he wants to work with because that's where he wants to be. Now, I was asking him about, you know, where do you want to go right now? And he said, I want to get my act together in our own company. We want to build an awesome business using technology and efficiencies learn how to use everything, get all the kinks out, and then I'm going to offer that to the outside market. And I, th I thought that was interesting. Um, he it was just sky's the limit. This guy had been reading up on lots of things, but he hadn't actually done anything. It's all theoretical for him right now. So he had a lot of questions for me about all these things, but you should have seen the, the guy. He had this huge grin on his face. It's like a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> and he, 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 I said, so what are your challenges? And he said, well... You know, we got some partners here that have been here around a little bit longer and they might not be so receptive. And and it was interesting to just hear their insight because one thing about our industry and our profession and our community is we're, we're way out in front. When mm. you talk to an everyday person, they're like, huh, you know, what's <laughs> going on? They don't know what these things are. And when I talked to a lot of people at the conference last week that didn't have a clue, I said, look, I'm not going to, you know, say the sky's falling, but start to learn what's going on because our industry is just changing. It's, it's like by the week now, you know, what happened last week, there's a new story. It seems every week. Right. And uh, it's just moving so fast. So, you know, it, it's, an, I think it's an exciting time and it's a, it's a great time for people like ourselves that are, you know, paying attention to it because that's where I think, we come out looking great because no matter what we're ready to shift with the industry. I think all of us here, like Michael, you, how many staff do you have now? Yeah. Almost 20, almost 20. Yeah. And across several States. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just the ability to be um, flexible is kind of the name of the game. So I think, you know, talking about sharing and, and all the changes, I think that is the, is going to make the difference. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually pretty amazing that the shift happening and how many companies and, and entrepreneurs are still not taking advantage of it? I know. They so, kind of sit yeah. there and go, huh? I talked yeah. to people at the conference saying, well, I don't know. I, you know. Desktop isn't really good to me. And I'm like, okay, it is good software, <laughs> but you're not listening to what's happening here. Like in five years time, is someone going to come to you and say, I want everything done paper-based and on desktop? They're not, you know? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Some people, I think it's just the nature of being an accountant is we're inherently conservative. Yeah. Jumping off, you know, you know, trying something like this scares them. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Eric, what, what is some of your experience about uh, on this? Cause you, you obviously are doing a shift mm -hmm. from, from at a traditional firm, you're doing a shift and, and trying to, um, you know, make this shift and jump into jump, jump full head on in. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about your experience experience around this and then the idea that um an, an uber type model showing up um in in the accounting space where a customer can literally uh, ask for bookkeeping or accounting help in real time and a in a an accounting driver or an uber driver shows up on their screen on their platform on their mobile phone and it does the work in live time for them or helps them out mm -hmm. some of your thoughts on what what is that 
what, what does that say to you or how do you, you know, how do you react to that? Uh, yeah. So I think jumping full in is definitely what we want to do, but I think we keep getting scared of landing straight on our heads in the empty pool like if it's you know what if the future is not really there what if mm. you know this pool we think that oh you know you know maybe shallow deep. maybe shallow yeah super shallow suddenly but i think um when i look across different sectors and you know especially because uh, i like to foot like, i like photography a lot i like the videography a lot so i watch a lot of youtube right and you see a lot of um you know filmmakers to uh guys like gary v um, Casey Neistat, all these people that have really made it big on YouTube. Um, it really says something to me because I think in a sense, that's sort of, to me, like TV's version of YouTube, uh, Uber, you know what I mean? Like I want to watch something. I just go look for whatever there is. And there's like, a, like unlimited people just volunteering their time to put stuff on YouTube, right? Cause it's all free. Um, and I think uh, some industries are way ahead in terms of, let's say the creative industry, uh, designers have really gotten a lot more um, notoriety and freedom now because they can show their work direct to client. They don't have to go through a lot of um, red tape and work under certain places that might control their creativity or you know restrict their access to clients and stuff. So I think when you when you're looking at that, I think it's great for individuals. Um, how do you maintain the quality? I guess it's sort of hard to say. I guess maybe that's one question I would have if I was just sort of randomly finding an accountant or maybe like flip it on a, you know, from a, my own user perspective, if I, was, if I was getting someone to do my taxes, I just sort of scroll, scroll, scroll. And I'm, I'm wondering like, what's the criteria that I would look for and people's ratings, I guess, and what is that based on? Um, but I think I would like to be part of that world anyways, because that's where it's going. I would hate to just have the lights off and, not even be part of the game, right? So that's definitely where we want to get in there. And I think in terms of, you know, whether it's five years, two years, one year or 10 years, I, I don't really know. Like maybe you guys would know better than me, but it seems like um, there's always a YouTuber that's pretty big and I just have never heard of them before. So my friends will always tell me, have you seen this person before? I'm like, no, who's that? And wow, this person has like a million subscribers that person has a million subscribers and like what's going on here and it sort of shows me how big this world is and how it's really not a zero-sum game you know it's really bountiful out there so there's space for everyone to play but you sort of have to take all the right steps and commit to I guess a new kind of economy that's coming up now the one thing is what I got to say about that is I think that's a really interesting perspective the analogy of YouTube um, and creators and the way that they've, we now have people who are making millions of dollars um, by creating content, being able to go direct to consumer. Um, that's really exciting, but I think, um, and hopefully maybe there will be eventually a platform like that for the accounting and bookkeeping world. Um, I think the problem is that the model that they're moving towards is a model where you're locked in. You can't, you can't create a community and, and because of the results of the community that you're able to build, um, you're able to leverage that and generate more revenue for yourself. There's not going to be any advertising revenue. There's not going to be, you know, any um, any deals with advertisers, you know, to endorse products. You're not going to be getting. That, that'd be, that'd be really interesting though. If you had this accounting firm that's free, but you know, it's like video, but it's like all these ads are running. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from CRA. Clickbait. Yeah. This, Clickbait this, financial, this financial statement is provided to you by Squarespace. Yeah. <laughs> I see. That's a really interesting way to look at it. It's like free, a free accounting firm that's empowered by advertising. I think that's dangerous. But that is so. <laughs> I mean, you never know, though. Like, you never know. I mean, if, in, in some ways, that's if you look at what I mean. What, what's the popular one in Canada? Like wave wave accounting, right? Um, the free version of it. Yeah. The free version of it is empowered because of the advertising inside it. They're upselling you to credit card services or they're upselling you to payroll services or whatever. So software has been able to do it from a free perspective. That's interesting to think about the idea of accounting. This this financial this cash forecast is brought to you by let's let's get on that there. Let's get on that. Let's get on that, Eric. <laughs> Eric, you can do video for us. Right, Andrew, you can do them too. You guys can tag team. Absolutely. I, I think it's interesting because um Thinking back, I was reading like uh, how YouTube has changed so much since the beginning because it was really, 
different when it started. And even mm -hmm. like the, the, like, I guess the YouTube celebrities were different and the feeling was different. It was really sort of a, I don't know, a nerdy kind of thing, right? And then it became so slick and all these filmmakers who are professionals in Hollywood even started doing the YouTube channel. Like Will Smith has a vlog channel. And I think what happens when, I don't know, like when the best accountants maybe or the most business savvy accounts finally jump in here or something like that. I don't mm -hmm. know. I'm not sure where we are in this timeline here, but at one point it was easy to get YouTube subscribers. And then now it, you're competing against Will Smith in some cases, right? <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know what it means, but maybe there will be another platform and coming out yeah, when, later on. When, we're, com when we're actually competing with the 1,000 or 2,000 an hour accountant, right? The ones that the celebrities yeah. are going after and the ones that... <laughs> The Hollywood accountants, right? Yeah, these are the M and A advisors for Facebook and Google, right? It's like it's like okay, this is a little bit different than than uh, Eric and Michael Lee. On, on but you know what? It could be. I mean, the, I think the funny thing is it goes the other way around too. You That's know, true. there's all these all these people. I don't even know who they are, but they're huge, right? Um, one guy I watched his name is Peter McKinnon. He's a photographer, a videographer in Toronto. Yep. And he went to almost 4 million now in about two, three years. Wow. And that's like more than the entire population of Toronto that knows him. You know, it's sort of weird. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think the, I don't even know who is the, like, who's a really famous accountant? Like, do they have 4 million? <laughs> I don't know. Hector Garcia. That, yeah, Hector, Hector, Hector might be, he might be the most yes, famous one. I think like, He's yes, got fans in Serbia. He's got fans in Serbia. <laughs> well, Michael, I don't know if you, uh, in San Jose last year, we were we were out at, I think it was at the practice ignition pre-con. Yeah. And um, I don't know, you wouldn't know Scott Zamberg, and you might. He's a Canadian. Um, he's kind of the head of our community. He's kind of the tribe leader, I guess you could call him. And he found out that Hector was in this party that we were at and he was really nearby and he got all giggly. He's like, Oh my God, Hector Garcia is here. No way. And he was right there. He's like fanboy. It was hilarious. And the same thing happened with Andrew and I, when we were doing our front row stick at in San Jose, Jeff Cates is sitting there talking with us and, and Hector was you know, beside us and listening and Jeff looks over and puts his hand out and says, hi, I'm Jeff Cates. We had no idea they didn't know each other. And Jeff was just like, oh, this is a real thrill. It was, it was cool. And Hector's like, you know, he didn't know who Jeff was. He's the country manager for Canada. You know, he's our, he was our Brad Smith. He just left the company, but it was pretty cool. You that's know, really, that's everyone so knows Hector. I knew Hector for years before I knew yeah, him. Hector's great. Yeah. Hector's okay, there we that's go. Really, Number one famous account. Really, and he, and he would have been here tonight. And he's been grilling tonight. He's been sending me and Andrew pictures of his grill and the meat. And so we're just both so hungry right now. <laughs> yeah, driving us nuts. Well, I, I want to shift the conversation because I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on um, continuing this conversation that we had last week. And we're probably going to continue it more because it's such a big topic. But if you read Tomorrow 3.0, one of the big ideas, um, there's so many big themes. And, and because he's an economist writing about this, one of the ideas he talks about is how um, – there's, there was this massive shifts. And so let me put, you know, if you think about before the industrial revolution where the average person had to work, let's call it six, six, 12 hour days, right? We were, we were doing agriculture. You basically grew your crops. Um, you had to do that sun up to sundown. You, you know, you milked cows. Um, you, you did production. Um, but that generally took, you know, for most, the average human being, and that took um, a, a six, 12-hour day focus from sunup to sundown. Um, and then everyone went to bed, and then you did it again. And um, generally, most of the societies were traditional, so they usually had one day off a week. Well, then the Industrial Revolution happens, and basically the West introduces a five-day work week of 40 hours. So we just reduced the for the majority of people the expectation of working you know 72 hours down to 40 hours so the one of the concepts or big ideas he he presents is not the idea that automation will because there's there's one school that says automation and the changes will actually create so much unemployment 
that 25 to 30 percent of Western society and global society will be unemployed, right? Mm -hmm. Unemployed because there's not enough jobs. Well, the other way to look at it is not that there'll be 25 to 30 percent unemployment. There'll actually be full unemployment like there is today, but everyone would only have to work about 20 hours a week to sustain life. So the, the cost of goods would go down because, because automation has, you know, moved pricing all the way down. Um, you're getting goods and services at such a low price. Um, and, and really the only two things left are, you know, food services or experiences and high end luxury experiences. Um, so the kind of two sides, but everything else is commoditized and everybody has access to, to a, a decent standard of living in the West. So what would that be like if, if, if now the majority of your week is not defined by work, but you actually, the normal human average human being actually only has to work two, three days a week at most, the equivalent of, what do you think that would look like? Because this idea of even 40 hours a week, five days a week is still fairly new in human history. If you look at all of human history. We assume it's like the norm, and so we we've defined ourselves in society this way. And as men, even most men have defined themselves by that work identity, because it's the, still the majority of our week. Well, what if it's not anymore? What if it's not what you need to do to produce income? And you you the majority of the week is not spent producing income anymore. It's actually some of your week, and the rest of your week can be whatever you want it to be. What would that? What? How do you think that would change your firm? your own identity, your profession. I mean, it's a big a topic, but I just wanted to put that out there that that is a really, that, that is a likelihood he's presenting that could happen because of all these changes happening. Um, so just some of your thoughts, I'd love to hear. Do you want to go first? I think, I think it's happening already in some, in some cases. For example, I have a new client I'm sort of mentoring right now. He's a younger entrepreneur and he's basically doing Airbnb rentals. So he's renting out apartments that are in good locations and he's talking to landlords, you know, telling him his value proposition. He will maintain all of his properties really well and so on and so forth. And he makes his living by staring at his phone. And, you know, he's showing me like, here's another booking. Here's another booking. Awesome. And frankly, there's, I think there's always been people in that realm, right? Like, you know, there's the feudal lords back then or the landowners and the kings and whatever royalty that did not work the, you know, 18 hours a day, six days a week or so on and so forth. And maybe it's a little bit of a clue. Um, but at, at the same time, I think it's really weird because if you ask any accountant, especially like how does it feel to not work like 10 hours a day, that you feel like you got, if you feel good about yourself, it's, it's sort of probably weird uh, i know that well in my firm if i'm not at my desk literally for eight ten hours i'm not shutting off the lights before i'm not the last leave everyone's gonna be like oh slacker you know, slacker you know like it's so there's so much to overcome not just uh in and i think the whole economy but just for accountants specifically i think uh it's true too because you talk about value pricing and you talk about like efficiencies if you can get your time down by half on the foul and suddenly the accounts feel like oh i should reduce my fees by half then right and you know they're linking their value of time and hours and i don't think people are really used to being uh really time wealthy you know like i don't know what they would do to themselves they probably go maybe go find more airbnbs and make more passive income <laughs> i don't know <laughs> drive more uber or something i it's weird because um you use, you use the great yeah. term time wealthy. What if we, we yeah, were term. time wealthy? Mm. That would be very interesting. And if the normal, per, more and more people, you talked about the landlords used to be that. Well, as technology continues to um, provide us that opportunity, more and more people are time wealthy. Mm. And yet I think we don't know what to do with that time. Well, as you were going through that uh, that description of what might happen, Michael, I was I was picturing palm trees and you know beaches and and all this cool stuff. But I'm not sure if we'd really do that. I mean, we get this time into our day and we just find something else to do, and you know, there's there's some fun to it. And you you, you would have to share that beach with like two thousand people. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> you need your own beach somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, because everyone would be on the beach. I yeah. Like, I, I like Hawaii's beaches would be great if nobody was there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went to Bermuda for four years. It's only yeah. 25 square miles. Can you imagine? Yeah. It's a it's an hour and a half from New York. The place would they'd have to limit who could come to the island because yeah. yeah. But you have, yeah, you have this traditional story, like thing about scarcity too. Like, and like, does you have to almost rewrite the rules of economics, maybe? Because what happened? Like, actually, that news story about um, Mount Everest. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, it's been in the news. It's been. There's like 300 people lined up. Like, that's 300 people is like a really big wedding. It's like chaos, you know. (laughs) That's like the size of the conference we were just at, Eric. Yeah, and I can't believe that there's 300 people like. And this is supposed to be your moment of life and death. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know. Gotta wait in line. Oh, crap. I'm, I'm like number 299. <laughs> That's sort of weird, right? That's so weird. You should be yeah. back at work, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel special when you're number, number two of yeah. 999. kind of sad. But uh, I think the one, from my perspective, I think if we actually were time wealthy, what I don't think people would just ultimately go and sit on a beach 24 seven because you can only do that for so long. What I think would happen is it would drive an even greater evolution of innovation because Mm -hmm. people would have the time to think and to um, ponder all the things that they've struggled with and how they might overcome it. And I know for myself, when I can get out of the weeds of doing the work and doing the grind and start thinking about my business, those are the times that I make the greatest leaps forward. It's it's hard for me to get that time. Um, and if I had it, I think that uh, I wouldn't spend, I would spend some of it on a beach. I would spend some of it with my kids. I would spend some of it watching YouTube, but I would spend a great deal of it thinking about my business as an entrepreneur and how I could make it better. I would think if I didn't have a business about the struggles that I have in my life and how I could make them better. And we would get this massive surge of innovation and creativity um, that would come. We'd probably have um, great new artists emerge. We'd have new uh, and better um, YouTube talent like you were talking about earlier, Eric. We'd have even more YouTube stars and celebrities creating all new um, exciting um, art and and creation, whether that's video, whether that's um, written language, whether that's um, visual arts. So we get the surge of creativity and innovation that I think would be exciting if we could get to that point, which is why, for me, I'm not scared of, of AI eliminating our jobs or eliminating our work. I think that there's always going to be opportunity in, in our capitalist uh, world to continue to succeed and grow, even if the job that you do today is completely and utterly eliminated, especially if it's utterly eliminated but you have no fear of putting food on the table, right? Which is what this utopian right. uh, world would hopefully look like where, you know, AI and automation would make everything cheap and affordable and we wouldn't have to worry about putting food on the table. Now we could just concentrate on following our passion and 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 thinking creatively. Creative, creatively. Creatively, <laughs> yeah. Creatively. <laughs> <laughs> and I think particularly in our world of accounting and finance, it's the thing that we lack the most is creativity. We're, you know, we're a very um, numbers driven, very hierarchical, very structured group of people um, with, you know, there are some very creative people in within our community, um, but the majority of the user base of accountants uh, aren't typically very creative people. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And maybe maybe we'd actually finally get an accountant that has a million followers on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, uh, what, yeah. You know, that's really that's a really good point because I think one thing that's sort of I never thought about is that now you would have actually a lot of time to connect with other people. So going back to that first question you're asking me, Michael, how is this whole connection thing? It's been huge. You know, it's it's opened up a lot of ideas and possibilities and maybe we'll get back to more like communal kind of lifestyles or something like that. And just more fraternities and more friends. Like you have lots of time to do stuff with your friends. Now maybe you'll make more friends. I, I don't know. 
maybe there'll be a revival in the moose lodges and the elks clubs and, and those across the country <laughs> <laughs> but the thing great. is is people are making friends like we're doing here right, right. everything's online now it's geography doesn't really matter anymore i mean you guys have had australian guests on here and they're from the future literally and you're talking to them it's like saturday afternoon and they're getting ready for dinner and we're talking to them late at night it's so cool yeah that the, we can do that in the world because the great thing about it is is we can attach to those people we have we're like-minded with it doesn't always happen face to face in in a community in you know when you're around people so is that going to keep going? There's going to be different ways to get around. Maybe we're going to be able to beam around, you know, beam me up. Beam. I'm going to go to Japan for the weekend. Okay. Well, we'll I'm off to here. I'm not thinking that far ahead. That's that's, well, that's, that's like we're like into Star Trek. World. Yeah, but, yeah, no, yeah. but already, you know, there's these, there's these like Musk is talking about being able to take these rockets from New York to Tokyo in right. 45 minutes and stuff. And that's not that far off right. when you consider well, that- what's going on. That's have you guys heard of the Hyperloop? You guys all know what that is. Oh, Hyperloop yeah, that is. too. I mean, that's, that's a very, technology. And they're building that around the world right now. Oh, yeah. That's very real. And it's going yeah. it's, it's gonna, it's gonna to be a big shift for, for people to have the ability to be able to move at speeds that, that they haven't been able to very cost effectively and very efficiently. So that's going to. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. I saw a guy speak to that at a conference here in Calgary. He was actually in the Hyperloop business. His company, I think he was Swiss. And he was talking about all the economic cases where, yeah, it's going to be there. And you're going to be able to get around so fast and you're not going to have to jump on a plane and travel is going to be so much simpler. And, and safer. Yeah, definitely. So you never know. Maybe we can beam over for the weekend. It's getting closer than we I mean, think. It's, I think it's basically they're boring huge holes underneath the earth, yeah. right? Is that right? Yeah. That is just... Well, yeah. It, no, yeah it's, Hyper- Hyperloop is in the, the vacuum tubes. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly that's like being in a vacuum it, yeah. to it. And what do they yeah. travel, like six or 700 miles an hour or something? Oh, that's just crazy. That's fast, yeah. But you know what? There's no more rush hour too, maybe, right? That's true. That's okay. true. You know, like the freeways, like tra- the traffic patterns have changed and everything would change. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's sort of cool. Like I would like to yeah. see what happens. And then once, I guess, I don't know, when that happens, there'll be a generation that does the switch. Like, I guess there was a generation like myself that knows of pre-internet and after-internet. Right. Eventually be a generation that's, <laughs> yeah, there'll be a generation that doesn't even know like of eight hour work days anymore or whatever, right? right? right. So then it'll just be normal again. Well, yeah, one of the one of the things that it talks about, Michael Munger talks about in this book, he says, um, you know, if you think about the concept of the garage, which so many people have a garage or a parking spot, was built around the car economy, the vehicle economy. Mm-hmm. And when that economy goes away because vehicles are so efficient and they're being hyper utilized where the average car is only being using being used one to five percent of its actual useful utilization right during the week and now they're being maximized um so you reduce cars on the road by 30 percent then 40 percent 50 percent like you're right there's all this infrastructure that was created for the existence of vehicles and now that's been the get goes away and you go whoa what just happened and you, so, you should read, yeah. sorry sorry michael yeah um, you should read Peter Diamandis. Do you know? Are you familiar yeah, with yeah, him? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he talked just to that when he he did a, a talk here in Calgary, and he and he just where you were going with it is, you said the low utilization rate of your car. Well, he's basically saying, why would you buy a car when you can just hail one? Right. You got a hot date, he, and this was his example. You you get a Ferrari delivered to your front of your house, and it's there, and you go out, you use it, and then it just goes back to the mothership automatically. And you're just going to take a vehicle for a specific purpose. And when you don't need it, you just don't have a vehicle around. Right. And then you you think about all the uses of these garages now, right? What do you need a garage for? What do you need it for? But all of us have them, right? So many people have them. Yeah, YouTube studio. I I have a question for you guys. So you guys have all heard of Turo, right? You know what Turo is? Yes. Have any of you used it, or would any of you put your car up on Turo? I I put my car up on Turo. Yeah, really? yeah. I had an Audi A6 for a while, and um, for a while I knew I was gonna probably sell it in like a three or four months after. 
So in a period, so at the moment I knew I was going to sell it eventually, just I rent it out. I'm going to try using it on Turo just to get the most value out of it, make some money. And it was an amazing experience. It was amazing. It was so easy. And I'm, I'm in Burlington, Vermont, not the bastion of population. Right. Um, and p- people would come to my house, get, they would Uber over to rent my Audi a six and take it out and then bring it back. And it was a seamless experience. It was like, wow, I can't believe this is actually happening right now and working right now. So just even the, re, the, the, and that, and the book talks to this or talks to this of how you no longer have to own the whole like concept. We have a whole generation where the concept of owning anything is just completely going away. Just borrow it. Yeah. Just borrow it, rent it, um, pay for it. It's specific use. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then that transforms the idea of wealth, right? Because the idea of wealth has been so centered around assets. Um, I mean, our whole financial reading, our whole financial system and the way we read financial statements, we have this whole section called assets, right? Well, that whole concept of wealth is going to go away where people don't want to own an asset anymore. They don't want, I I, I disagree with you You because assets. Yeah. Well, look, look at, look at your client. Uh, Eric, who's who's making a fortune with all his Airbnbs. It, they, the future will be in people who own the assets that they rent out to the masses that don't have the money or the resources to acquire the assets and then rent them out when they're not able to use them. Well, so that, my, my client's actually not acquiring the asset, though. He's only renting the asset to rent the asset out. Again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's even better, right? You, you, you know, it's funny because, like, much like Turo, there's even, like, uh, there's something called Kit Split, which you can rent camera gear out. So I have a bunch of lenses and cameras and stuff. I can't use all of it all at the same time. So I can put them up on there. It's and amazing. People, and people rent it. You just ship them. Like, a box comes, and you just put your camera in there, and it goes out, and there's insurance and stuff like that, you know? So I, my, to me, I wonder like what happens to retail? Yeah. Who's, who's going to be the sucker that buys brand new? Like, Anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, do we all just rent stuff from Amazon afterwards? Like, I don't, I don't know. Well, but, it, it, it of course, of course, these items would have a useful life period. Right. So they need to be replaced. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like, just like anything. So you would end up having less items being purchased in volume because their useful yeah. life would actually be used until you'd have less waste, the reduction yeah. of waste, the reduction of use and, and, and the quality of items would have to go up, right? Cause those yeah. items would have to be able to be shared. Um, you know, if you ever, people say, don't ever buy a car that's being sold by a, a rent, a co- rental car company, right? Cause those, you know, those rental cars have been used and mm-hmm. beat down and the drivers don't care what they're doing. And then, the rental cars put them on the market, but they're putting them on for a cheap, cheap, cheap price because they know that the, the miles on this 2019 car is the equivalent of a, of a car that's supposed to be 2015 or 2014 years old, you know, years right. old. So. Now, what impact would that have on the economy, though? Yes, exactly. Now, now, now we don't, we're not consuming the way we have in the past, um, which then affects the number of job opportunities, which then affects your ability to rent out more is it not a spiral to the bottom? That's really interesting to think about. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. So if I go rent a camera because I can't buy a $8,000 camera, six, you know, like all the lights and everything, I, I, I rent this for two days to make a YouTube video, of which somehow I've become an, one of the accountants with like a big following. <laughs> yeah. And I make some money off that. I don't know, you know, through whatever it is, through Squarespace sponsorship, let's say it still exists there. Then I return the stuff. I don't know. I mean, I mean but what about the people I, who manufactured the camera? What about? Yeah, like I don't know. I don't know who, who would do that. Yeah. yeah, it'd be maybe things would just have to get very expensive. Yeah. I, I, like, I mean, if we look at quantity, I mean, like if there's less being sold and things are more expensive. So, supply and demand, right? Then are we going back all the way to? whoever owning stuff having the ultimate control everything again like back to feudal times feudal system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you think about it who's are, are are we kind of doing that we're, we're as we're doing business and as our, our, we're operating as consumers we're kind of allowing certain companies to create the empire and to be in control yeah. 
So we're we're deciding who controls our data right now, right? We're That's both, a land grab. Yeah, we've it's decided a massive, that, massive land yeah, grab. Right we've decided now. Facebook, oh. Google, Apple, these companies, they're allowed to own our data. We've just decided that without oh. really even deciding. We just because of the the network effect, we decided was worth the return of value for that for the use of their product. Mm-hmm. They have all of our data. Um, we decided that only certain phone manufacturers own all our calling data and own the ability to follow us and track us and uh, and know our purchasing habits. We decided all this stuff. Um, so we kind of are going into a system like that. I we we might be heading into a day, and I think there's a few economists have written about this where you actually have multinational corporations that are more powerful than governments and the the whole concept right the whole concept of a nation state there's no no one's come up or presented the idea of what is past the nation state right because every every system of government changes right so we're in this nation state era now that we've gone now to like kind of like alliances like the european union right um but what happens when whole society <laughs> decide, you know what, I don't really resonate with my nation state any more than actually way less than I do with my community of people that I work with that are global, right? Or I want to pledge loyalty to this virtual gaming system that I play on every day. I don't know. I'm just trying to, you know, that's some of the things this, this guy presented in his book going, the amount of communities now that define your identity shift from work to other communities because you're able to spend so much time in those communities forming your identity and right now we spend so much time working that the four of us we define ourselves by our work and by our firms and by the work we do and even our work you know work peers and that that shift begins when we start spending more time doing other things um and that's the thing that's hard to go what does that look like and what will that be uh and what would that future be like um that would be, you know, I think that would that would be really, very interesting. Do, do you think we would earn the same kind of income, less income, more income? Like, what would that look like? Because mm-hmm. I think one concern I have then is like, what happens to taxes? Because we're accountants, <laughs> right? So we'll think about taxes here. <laughs> Why are you concerned about that? <laughs> no, I don't want this. I don't want this overpass to fall on me and kill me. You know, like <laughs> things have to be maintained to a certain extent, and that's usually through taxes and stuff like that, right? So, I mean, if roads are not used, let's say, if they're used like maybe 30% of the capacity now, I guess they wear down slower, but at the same time, do we just not pay attention to the roads if they're just in worse shape? Like, yeah. I, and and what, what income base is there? And I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe we have to go volunteer time now because we have so much time to patch roads up. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're volunteering <laughs> time to patch roads up. Well, also you I see the massive migration of global populations to mega cities. Mm. then roads and that infrastructure less of the rural infrastructure and suburban infrastructure is needed anymore so because everyone's in these mega cities right the, the, the global population is moving to these mega cities so that's where these effects of volume are happening um and where these experiments these future experience of what the future is going to be like are going to look like while well, those who are still driving their gas guzzler are going are to kind of be left behind and we're sitting, I think we're going to be sitting here as a, in the future, as a country is going, how do we continue to support the infrastructure so that the farm, you know, the person with the gas guzzler in their cabin now, you know, uh, out there is still able to drive to the big city. But um, that's an interesting idea. I, I, I have no idea. Brad, what are you thinking right now? I know something. Yeah, my head's right. spinning. <laughs> I know. I'm, it's just the week that just went by. I was thinking, yeah, it's, it is fascinating. And one thing I learned from Peter Diamand, excuse me, Peter Diamandis, when he spoke, he really focused on just the hyper exponential growth of everything going on. Because hmm. as computers get faster, then they make future computers faster. And then it just keeps going and going and going. And it allows us to do so many different things now. And so many things are possible that really, do we really know? Like when the internet first came out, I remember the first thing you know I did was you know, it was dial up, it was slow, you'd have no video and you just kind of surfed around and looked at this. It was fascinating. Well, <laughs> has it really changed? I mean, it, it's way faster. We can do way more things. It's just going to, it's hard to know really what's going to be out there. It seems like so many of these disruptions come out of nowhere. 
you know. Can I hit you, hit you guys with a useless fact? Yeah. What, what, you, what was the what was the first thing ever sold on the internet? Oh, I don't know. Pizza. Mm. Pizza. Oh. Pizza was the first thing ever sold on the internet. Who, who what was did the it? I don't remember. Um, Domino's or something. The first, <laughs> and the first thing ever bought with Bitcoin, also pizza. Pizza. <laughs> oh, that's right. Which is now the equivalent of something like $5 million for the guy paid for pizza. <laughs> so it's like the future of pizza then. <laughs> the future is pizza. The future is pizza. Somehow it will, it will eventually end in pizza. For everybody, yeah, everybody will will be eating pizza all the time. Yes, really, really funny. Well, great. It, it really is hard to know, but it's it's kind of fun to just watch it happen. Yeah, I've yeah. never. I'm not one that's afraid of it. I embrace it. It's it's really cool. Um, why be afraid? Why not just you know enjoy it? Because there is a lot yeah. of fun stuff right going on right now. Now, Michael, I, like- I, I hear I hear you trying to wrap up, but before we wrap up. I've got to uh, put have a little conversation with Eric about technology. Video. Video cameras. I can't let this episode go <laughs> without talking tech because I now have this, yeah. this check to go out and buy some new gear. So Eric, uh, Eric what, would, what would be your recommendation? Um, I just had all my camera gear uh, stolen. I've got to go replace it all right now. He missed um, the opening part, Eric, where he was talking about his the breaking. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he lost a lot of gear. Andrew has a few things in that massive backpack. He is yeah. what? What, what, were it, you, what were you shooting on before? I was it was shooting in, uh, with a Canon M50, so nothing like super high end, um, but it was you know good quality camera. Mm. Um, my go to lens was um, a 22 millimeter uh, f4, which I really loved. Mm. Um, so um and a couple other lenses in there so i don't maybe i just get this kit to go and not buy anything maybe that's the answer um it's not gonna happen i I, I think i think they would go i don't know what the budget is i mean kind of like the sony so sony a7 III is the way i would go probably just for a well-rounded camera uh awesome autofocus you can film yourself with it photography do you do more photography or do you do more video more video more video because I, I shoot in GH5s, so I use a Panasonic yeah. uh, so for videos, right? But they're Which is not, one of the most popular yeah. vlogging cameras out there, for sure. Yeah, so, but I think, well, round, like, actually, no, like, for prices, in Canada, GH5s are 1800 bucks now. But it's pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would go with that, or I would go still the Sony a7 III, uh, Tamron, uh, what is it, 28 to 70, like, I might know more than this in accounting, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what would what would be your recommend? What are your your base lenses that you should have in your bag? You know what I so I'm actually think actually know what another good option actually to go down the price range is a Sony A6400. I would go okay. with that. You that, really like that, the Sonys, eh? I only like the Sonys because they get the job done easily. Uh, I mean, you're not getting the best video footage. You're not getting 10-bit video and stuff like that if you really want to grade and do color grading and stuff. But I don't do color grading, so yeah. it's yeah. non issue. So I think A6400, uh, it's got no recording time limit. It's got awesome autofocus. You can film yourself. The screen flips up. The mic is not really an issue. You can just add a little mic and stuff like that on there to get good audio. Yeah. And I've already then, got the mic sorted. <laughs> yeah, and I would just stick with the kit lens for now because really you can just get lenses here and there. I, I personally, on my GH5, I like my GH5 because I put on my, like I can use Canon lenses. I can use almost any kind of lenses that's adapted to it. So A6400 actually, I would go with that. Cause I mean, uh, M50 is, you know, I, I'm sorry, a 73 is quite a bit more expensive. It's a full frame. Yeah. Camera, right? What are you gonna get, Michael? Yeah. I don't have a clue. Yeah. I think I'm, uh, I'm out of my league here. And no I'm, kidding. I just look at the end result. I'm like, you guys all trained up and we'll, we'll be the, we'll be the million subscriber accounts or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, Eric, when we talk on Tuesday, maybe we'll figure out some video angle to some of the things we're trying to accomplish here. I, I, well, on a serious note, I know we're trying to wrap up. I think you gotta be in video. You have to be in video. Uh, I know this, I know this one guy, he does proposals in a, so he uses Squarespace. He does proposals in private web pages. So let's say, like, like Michael, 
like like let's say I'm, I'm I'm gonna do a uh, I'm gonna be your accountant. So here's my proposal: you enter a password to the URL you're given, and then here's a proposal in like a web, beautiful website, and there's a video right there, and they'll be like, "Hey, I'm Eric. Thanks for talking to me. We're gonna do this and this and this. Looking forward to working oh, with nice. you." And it's making sure in the bottom, and that's sort of mind blowing for most people, right? Oh, that's amazing. Put that on the agenda for Tuesday, Eric, because that's kind of where I'm going. So, way. Eric, what do you, what are you doing with video right now? You say video is a go-to; everyone's got to be doing it. What are you? How are you using video? Uh, I've bumbled around video for so long. At first, I like I just like making videos. So, myself and a friend, we made dumb videos, and then we realized that this dumb expensive, videos, this expensive <laughs> hobby. So, we try to go make videos for other people. We got some clients who made some videos, made some corporate videos. And I mean, it's not great money, uh, but surprisingly out there, videos are quite expensive when you, when you get into sort of more of the other production houses and stuff like that. You can do like a three minute corporate video and not be like five grand, you know? Yeah. Um, but how about, how about for your own company? Are you guys you're yeah, doing so your own corporate video? Exactly. So that's where I've finally come to. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, why don't <laughs> I just make my videos for myself, right? <laughs> <laughs> So the video like mind-blowing moment, like yeah. So you I just had it right now. <laughs> it, it it was literally I think uh, four months ago. Seriously, four months ago, and I'm talking with Chris, my business partner, about video stuff. And why don't we just make these videos? Because I'm sure this kind of other like so this other accounting firm, they're making videos and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that's really great. But you know, I know that's like a three thousand dollar video. So I'm thinking in my head here, how many videos can you make a year? at three grand a pop, right? Unless you start training yourself and then we're like, oh man, we're really idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like we have the skill. It, it actually, you know what, back to conversation too, maybe in the future, people just have a lot of different skills you might have like Airbnb you rent out and you like, do Uber driving. You might do some of this and some of that. Like, bookkeeping. You don't have a single income source anymore. But anyway, so video, uh, yeah, on your website, um, more so on YouTube just to, give the personality to the firm so people know who you know who I am and what our firm is about. I think people really gravitate to character. Uh, the other thing is just to educate. And I think that's just learning from the other industries uh, where education sort of offered for free, but people don't do things themselves. So even if you explain to somebody how you make a financial statement, it's not likely they're going to actually go spend time to become an accountant and make their own financial statement and so on right. and so forth. But but they would come to you because you've proven your, you know, your, your authority and your ability in that area there. Right. Um, so some things I'm doing are going to be um, doing more profiling of my uh, clients. So I've been doing some social media work and stuff like that for some of my clients, just experimenting. And it's actually been working out pretty well. So gives them another kind of value add that we can do. And we are sort of vested in their business too. And for me, I think I, uh, one project we're going to do is basically just profiling clients, sort of like this here, sharing knowledge from successful clients that we have, and we'll see what happens. I mean, realistically, I think all roses, but then you start that YouTube channel, you get like seven subscribers, you know, <laughs> and it is a lot of hard. They're all family it's members. It's a lot harder than well, it really is. It's well, the, the one the Asian guys are up here, so we know it's not the family members that are watching. They're they're the ones that are like, get back to work, you know. <laughs> but I think one of the big things is, I mean, I, I think video is is great, and because you get an uptick from particularly on social, you'll get boosts because you're doing video. And this uh, but you're the right. Final like, word before we, we we close out. So make this a final. Yeah. Sorry, and then maybe we can go off. Hector was here on the video subject. So final word on video. Video is a necessity, I think, for accountants and bookkeepers today. Hector has proven to us this model that you talk about, Eric, about giving away content because people aren't willing to do the work themselves, but they're interested. They, They think they want to do it. They learn how difficult it is, and they call you up to hire you to do the job because they don't want to do it. But one of the other things, because it's so difficult, to grow your audience um, organically in this day and age when you put a video up on YouTube and unless you're Hector Garcia, you have seven followers. You actually have to, you have to actively promote that. You have to um, invest with paid advertising, 
Um, and in, in efforts to organically grow that awareness of that content, it's not just sufficient to create the video, put it up on YouTube and assume that the world will flock to you because you've created a YouTube video. Those yeah. days are gone, uh, unfortunately, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing a video. It means you have to be doing it and you have to be putting in 10 times the effort that you would have had to five years ago. Well, you guys have these huge uh, Facebook communities already, right? Yes. Uh, I wouldn't oh. say they're huge. I wouldn't say they're well, huge. Okay, better, bigger than seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> than seven. So, so Brad, you're like an instant YouTube star. They kind of get in the week here. We'll get you 100 there you subscribers. There you go, know. man. That's yeah, why I'm yeah. talking to you. This is yeah. going to be great. Well, our next yeah. topic, well, our next topic when Hector's on with us will be video because he's the master of video. He'll put us all this awesome. stuff. Uh, give us the <laughs> yeah. room with them. but thanks guys thanks eric thanks yeah thanks for you. having us that was yeah. a riot that was great right. everyone we'll see you we'll see you next week take care thanks. bye everyone. sorry for going long mike <laughs> <laughs>